ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Good afternoon, this is Chickie Fitzgerald, and I have such a treat for you today. Back by popular demand is Dana Steele. Dana has been with us a number of times uh, talking about other business books that she's written, and over the last couple of years, I have had the uh, incredible pleasure of uh, watching Dana's life, uh, which uh, was very interesting to begin with, uh, but got even more interesting uh, when her mother uh, got sick. So we are going to be talking about a very different topic today, and her book is called Surviving Alzheimer's with Friends, Facebook, and a really big glass of wine. Dana, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. Dana, for those who don't know you, can you give us the thumbnail of your life before Alzheimer's? (laughs) Okay. B.A., B.A., we will call it. Let's see. Let's see. The short version is I used to be cool. I was uh, a rock and roll. I was uh, the top female rock and roll DJ in the country um, uh, for over 20 years and left that to start the first of all things, NASA e-commerce retail operation, which grew into the largest of its kind. I sold that to a contractor for NASA and became VP of a, um, well, of a NASA aerospace contractor running their retail division. Uh, Left that to start writing books. I've written eight books and am a professional speaker. And a couple of months ago, as if I didn't have enough to do, I filed to run for Congress, um, <laughs> the U.S. House of Representatives for Texas. And congratulations. I haven't had a chance to congratulate you on that front. But uh, because we uh, want to get right to the heart of this particular topic, and, and you know, I, I didn't want to treat it too lightly in talking about the rest of your life as being before Alzheimer's, but, but really in 2013, uh, your life took a pretty big turn. And, well, it did. Uh, it did. I mean, I had a great, wonderful, healthy, happy, not overweight, active, you know, 83-year-old mom. I guess she was 82 or 83. Um, and she had the energy of a three-year-old. I mean, she was just fun. She was amazing. She'd been a jeweler for 37 years. She strung high-end pearls for some of the best uh, jewelry stores in town. She was she was just fun. And, you know, started to get a little dingy, things like that. Um, But it was after my dad died in December of 2012 where it totally threw mom's routine into a, um, you know, it just an upheaval of her routine. And instead of going out there to visit every couple of weeks, I was there every day for six weeks wrapping up dad's um, things. And that's when I started to realize there's a problem. Something's not quite right. There were post-it notes everywhere. Um, there were conversations that when she called me, if I said this, she would say this. If I said that, she would say that. Um, so she knew something was wrong. And I probably was in denial for a good year. Because let's face it, I ran a business. And I see this with people all the time. If I admit there's a problem, I'm going to have to be part of the solution. And I don't have time right now. 
Well, and and the book, the the chapter where where you introduce this, the the header on that chapter is Houston, we have a problem. Which of course you've you've shared with us your your connection with NASA. You, I don't think you mentioned your your husband's connection with NASA, uh, but you right, know, that, he flew that, for NASA for thirty years. Right, right. So so here we have. Uh, again, the people who acknowledged the NASA problem with the now famous Houston, we have a problem, um, really had to be a part of solving it. So I'm really glad that you bring that up because there are so many people who see those little symptoms, right? The the repeating the same thing over and over again. And, and oh yeah, and everybody just goes, oh, you know, she's just getting old, she's getting dingy, right. and you know, mom was always spoiled to begin with. Um, she was the youngest of eight children. Um, and I thought, oh, she'd just be an ornery. Um, but it was, you know, it was little things. I, uh, I would, I, I handled her finances. I, I had handled her finances for a couple of years once my dad started having strokes and couldn't do it. And I was like, Mom, what are, what are, there's like, what are all this, this cash? You're taking a couple hundred dollars cash out every month. Uh, how do you want me to, to identify that? And she goes, oh, that was the grocery store. Well. She paid. She she wrote checks to the grocery store, and then I found out later on she was buying lottery tickets. She was trying desperately to win the lottery because she she knew something was wrong, and she didn't know how she was going to pay for her care. And that's just sad. But um, you know, it's just that sort of thing. And 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 as professionals, you know, we just it's it's hard to say. Gosh, I need to stop doing everything, and I got to go take care of mom now. Right, right. So you you titled the next major chapter of the book uh, of the year of 2014 of Where Are We Going? So so really, you know, you by that time already became intimately familiar and, and a part of the neurologist process of finding the right person, the living arrangements, the lawyer, and all the things that you need um, once you do realize that you've got that problem. So, so tell right. us what and happened it, in 2014. And it took a while. Yeah, I mean, it took a while to put all that together, which is why, you know, the first half of the book, I, I dealt with it with really dark humor. There's a lot of funny stuff in the book, believe it or not, with Alzheimer's. And the first half of the book are the posts that I did on Facebook and then the the comments that were either helpful or poignant or equally as funny. Uh, and then the second half of the book are all the things, the resources that I learned and gathered over this two and a half year period that would have saved me a lot of time, a lot of money and a lot less heartache and stress. If I had known these things at um, the beginning, Um, you know, everything from, you know, the questions you should ask. And unfortunately I'm pretty anal retentive and so was my mom. So I had answers to everything, everything but one question. Um, she'd written her own obituaries. I knew, oh I knew all the phone numbers. I knew where everything is. By the way, on a side note, obituaries are the only way that newspapers make big money these days. Right. Because there's just not that much advertising or anything. So, you know, my mom was very specific on the three newspapers she wanted her obituary in, and it was about $4,500 for those three papers. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, hello. I was like, oh, my God, if I don't do it, she's going to come back and haunt me. This was the only thing <laughs> she asked for. Um, but the one thing I had not asked was if you become incapacitated, where would you like to live? I always assumed my mom was going to live to, you know, 95, like my 
grandmother and um and and she was just gonna you know wake up one morning pay her bills and boom die like my grandmother did we've never had alzheimer's in the family we've never had dementia we've never had cancer we've never had broken bones we are a very very fortunate family um so to be told she had alzheimer's i mean you you think you're intelligent and you think you know what that means and oh my god you have no idea what that means till it till it starts to happen so um you know, there's just all these things. And the one question that I never had an answer to, and it took me probably up until a few months ago to really get over the guilt, though I still have tinges of it. And it's been almost two years since she died. Um, was having, you cannot leave an Alzheimer's patient alone. You know, people say, well, you know, I'm just, you know, mom's doing fine or, or I'm going to move mom in with us. There is a point where an Alzheimer's patient cannot be left alone at all which means you're going to have to hire somebody and that comes out to we figured it out if you have somebody 24 7 in your home and you don't have long-term care insurance you're talking about hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year right um it was six thousand dollars a month to have mom in an alzheimer's home but you just you can't leave them you can't um and you can't say don't touch the stove till i get home it, it it just you can't you have to live in their reality uh the reason i named the the, the chapter that was because one particular day mom was like where are we going mom we're going to get a, a manicure and a pedicure remember and that's a, another word you have to lose lose the word remember right um and a, a few not even 30 seconds later where are we going pedicure where are we going pedicure where are we i swear 30 times she asked me where are we going Finally, the 30th time, she said, where are we going? And I said, where would you like to go? And she said, I really could use a pedicure. And I went, great idea. And about that time, I pulled in. And she goes, you're such a good daughter. And I said, I know. (laughs) You know, so you just, you have to live in their reality. And you have to find these little, tiny, bizarre moments of humor. But whether you work for somebody else, you work for yourself, just know work in Alzheimer's is not compatible. You right. have to have a plan. Yes, absolutely. And and so let's talk a little bit about the, the friends and Facebook and a really big glass of wine. Because you and I were already uh friends, both from me interviewing you uh, you know, previously about your other books <laughs> and I had uh followed you on Facebook very early on. So you know, I watched as as this became the dominant thing that you talked about, and and perhaps not by choice, right? But it just you no, no, it outlet. was. Um, you know, when 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 mom was diagnosed, I called my my uncle, her brother, and his wife, my aunt. I called my brother, and I called his ex wife, so she could tell the girls, and just telling those few people. I thought, oh my God, I can't, I can't say a hundred times, Mom has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. I can't, I can't. Um, so I pretty much took. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to post it on Facebook. I've always been very open about my life. Most of my friends, a lot of Mom's friends, are there, and then hopefully it'll just get out to everybody. I can't call all the family and all the friends and all the neighbors. Right. I, I just don't have. I just can't. It was a chicken way out. 
But what overwhelmed me was there were over 500 responses of my mom, me too, my mom, my aunt, my dad, my friend, my cousin, my wife, my wife, my husband. And I thought, oh, my God, why are people not talking about this in, oh, in the open? All of a sudden, I realized I had a village. I had a support group. Now, I've, being on the radio, I've lived my life publicly since I was 17 years old. 40 years, I've lived my life very publicly. So it was natural for me to talk about it to what other people would consider complete strangers. The entire city grew up listening to me. I've never thought of anyone as a stranger. Um, and, and so I started to post little things. And the first time I found something funny, I thought there was something wrong with me. So I posted, you know, I don't even remember which one it was, but it's just funny. I mean, why am I laughing? And people said, if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. And then people started to share their funny stories. One woman walked in and her grandmother, who loved soap operas, was watching hardcore porn. <laughs> and she was like, oh, no. you know, Mima, what are you doing? And Meemaw turned around and went, they have never done this on The Young and the Restless before. <laughs> so I found that the laughter, first of all, the writing was cathartic. It was like keeping a diary that just happened to be seen by 5,000 people. Um, and then the responses back, it was my own support group. And then it became a support group for everybody that was following along. And then those people started to say, can you please put this in a book because I need it for my friend or my mother mm. or my father. Got it. Got it. Well, you know, again, watching you, uh, you know, through that process and, and, you know, really sharing the raw, the raw emotions, right? It, it wasn't filtered or, or maybe it was. Oh, not at all. Oh, I haven't, I haven't had a filter since I was 18 years old. Let me tell you, that is driving my congressional consultant crazy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that that has to be an amazing process. I'm, I'm trying to learn, but, you know, I just, I don't have a filter. I think one of the things that upset me more than anything was my mom was very, she was a beautiful artist. She was very talented. And for hobbies, she would paint and draw. And the day I walked in and my mom was coloring in a, in a, toddler coloring book and she was coloring the squirrel blue and she was coloring outside the lines that is what sent me over the edge one day and I used the f word and I said f word f word f word I don't want to do this anymore and that was my post you know I just had to help my mom color and that was just one of the things and somebody actually contacted me privately a, a long time um, famous uh, uh, television anchor in my hometown contacted me and uh, said, you know, I I'm so glad that you're, you're, you're posting about this and sharing your story, but I think you could have used a better word. And I just replied <laughs> back and went, you know what, as an author, when you find the perfect word, the perfect word is nirvana. And there was no more perfect word. Exactly. Yeah. And if, you know, I, you know, that's how I, that's how I felt at that moment. If you don't like it, you are welcome to unfriend me, but there was not a better word at the moment. Right, right. So some of the other things that you talk about in the book, uh, and, and you, 
the final uh, chapter of, of the section of telling the story is called The Long Goodbye, which uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, it, it can be a very, very long goodbye, and in fact much longer than I think what you experienced with your mother. Oh, I was uh, from fortunate. Onset. I was very fortunate. Yes, yes. And, and, and it's hard to look at it like that, of wanting that time frame to be over for them and for you, because you're right, there, there are all different kinds of guilt. And I didn't live through Alzheimer's, but my mother-in-law, who lived across the street from us, um, had been going downhill for a long time. Uh, and again, we thought she was going to live to 100 easily. And at 92, she uh, was diagnosed with, uh, with cancer and, and left us very, very quickly. And so many of the things about the long-term care insurance and, and you know, what caregivers, uh, you know, are, are tasked with and, and what is their language that they speak and all of these things that you talk about, um, you know, are just so valuable, not just for Alzheimer's, but for, for many different situations while you're caring uh, for an aging relative. And I realize sometimes it's not even parents. Um, we were talking before we got on, on the show about the impact on business. And, and, you know, you aptly said that, Alzheimer's is not compatible uh, with working, but we've got so many people who listen to this show who are in that situation, and not only doing that, but trying to you know, find a college for their kids or dealing with a child at home who maybe has a little bit of a problem, um, you know, so much going on. So how did you handle the balance of all of that from a practical perspective? <sighs> You know, Other first than of all, we were, uh, yeah, that, that, the effort and wine really helped. Um, it was having, um, it was knowing to accept help when it was offered. Uh, I'm very much an independent person. I'm very much a control freak. And I learned that when people said, I'm bringing you dinner tonight, I said, okay. Just, um, you learn to not be afraid to ask for help. I need help. I can't do this. I call my brother and go, I can't, you've got to take it this weekend. I can't do it. Uh, if he couldn't do it, I was fortunate that I had neighbors that would step in or I need to go out of town and neighbors would go see her every day. Um, but you also have to have a plan. Not only do you right. have to have the answers to those questions that I talked about at the beginning of this interview, and there's a whole list of them in the book, um, at the back of the book. These are the questions you should ask now while everybody's coherent. Do it after Christmas right. dinner. Or do it after Thanksgiving dinner. Damn it, get the answers to these questions now. Um, but it's also financially. If you are, if you are in your, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, get long-term care insurance. Quit saying the most selfish thing you can say, oh, is, oh my kids will take care of me. Absolutely not. Take care right. of yourself. Make a plan. Start saving money. Make sure my mom had saved about $44,000 unbeknownst to any of us. And you know, bless her heart for doing that, but that was gone in the first year. That was gone, you know, covering everything we had to cover. And um, my husband and I are very fortunate. We're very frugal. I'm a big saver. Um, but it really cut into our retirement savings because she was $12 over the limit of being eligible for oh. Medicaid. And if oh, she had lived any longer and we had had to put her in a nursing home, I have no idea how we would have paid for that. It was five to $6,000 a month just for the Alzheimer's care house. Um, and she had some Social Security. She had some VA benefits. But she was $12 over the limit. If you have a house, you have a car, you have a pension, you have a, a nice Social Security and or you know VA benefits, 
there's a cutoff. Medicaid's not going to pay for it. And Medicare, it, people are stunned to find out their, their medical insurance, um, their life insurance, their, their Medicare and Medicaid are not going to pay for long-term care for an Alzheimer's patient. So, right. you know, you plan for your business. You, you, you project a year out. You project three years out. Um, you have all these incredible plans for your business. Do it for your loved ones. Absolutely. Well, and, and even, you know, not just the, the kids issue. You know, I mean, I married a man who is six years older than I am. And now, fortunately, he comes from this very, very long line where they normally live, uh, you know, in, into their hundreds. And, I mean, that's both the good and the bad news because we're, we assume he's going to be healthy that whole time. Um, but I come from a family, you know, where my dad had a heart attack at 62 and my mom had a stroke at 69, right? And they were both having to live, uh, you know, in nursing homes. And, you know, I'm doing everything I can to take good care of myself so that I don't have that same story, right? Right. And, and a lot of people, and, don't, but people don't want to right. talk about death. And I hate to tell you, unless you've found a way out and not told the rest of us, it's just part of life. Yeah. Uh, it all absolutely. comes to an end at some point. And a lot of parents will not talk to their kids. A lot of older parents, are, you know, the kids try to bring it up. We try to bring it up with older parents. And they say, you're just trying to rush me to my grave. No, I'm just trying to make sure this is all taken care of. Right. And uh, a lot of people, you know, quit being afraid to talk about death. People die every day. You're going to die the people around you are going to die. It doesn't have to be a depressing thing. When right. um, ch when my husband's father died, oh, my gosh, he had paid for everything. Everything was planned. He had paid for the party. He picked out the flowers. We had no idea. It made it a party. It made it a joyful celebration of his life because we didn't have to worry about one thing. Mm. So I always say to people, be prepared. It's coming. So be prepared way early before any signs of anything. Right. And then when it does happen, yeah, it's still sad, but you got it done. Right, right. Yeah, because yeah, you, you mentioned got it the amount of time that it took. This wasn't just about caring for her when she was alive. The amount of time that the paperwork, even if you do have things together, right, the amount of time uh, that it takes to deal with death is, is oh, more Oh, you got to have... Yeah. yeah, here's a great example. Did you know Social Security won't accept a power of attorney? You've got yeah. to actually go in with the person or you've got to jump through a million hoops to get on board as the person that can talk to Social Security. Yes. Um, most financial institutions, investment accounts, stocks, things like that will no longer recognize a power of attorney. Um, mm -hmm. So you have to have a separate... Um, a legal document for each of those. You want to make right. sure you're on the bank accounts. Um, I mean, it's just... Yeah, that one's a big People one think you just need a will minute, and a power of attorney. Yeah, no, the minute they die, those bank accounts are frozen if your name is Well, and it's it, not even so. when they die. Jackie, yeah. It's when they start to become incapacitated mm -hmm. and they start giving their money away. Or, right. um, I mean, you have to... You you have to take on every single responsibility of their life, legal, financial, medical, everything, sometimes years before they die. Right. And 
And if you don't have the proper paperwork, you'll spend all day not running your company or doing your job. You'll spend all day chasing your tail trying to figure out how to get all this done. So that's what I'm hoping that, you know, that this, the book does for people is helps them at least save some time and, uh, and energy. Well, Dana, this has been really great. And again, you've got lots of resources in the book, including the 10 Alzheimer warning signs, how to have the talk, the family questions. You recommend websites. You recommend books. There is just so much here. So again, we have been talking with Dana Steele, who is running for Congress. Go, Dana. And the book is called Surviving Alzheimer's with Friends, Facebook, and a really big glass of wine. Dana, thank you so, so much for your time today. All right. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, and you can find out more at danasteele.com, D-A-Y-N-A-S-T-E-E-L-E. Terrific. Thank you so much, and have a great day, Dana. You too. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us on The Game Changer, and go out and change your personal game today by getting prepared with all of these great tips that Dana gave us. Thanks so much for joining us. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation. With Chickie Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald.